Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches look at it. This. To oh, Mo Williams. Touchdown. You gotta be kidding All right, all right, all right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And happy days are here again. We got the full crew. Some might be even a little more festive than others. So we're gonna jump right into this thing, have a little bit of fun today. QB1, my man, how you doing? How you been? Everything good, man. Vikings got back on the winning track, so everything's good this way. All right, all right, all right vacation miles what how's up? it going man how you doing good i'm finally off until the until january 2nd so i'm just you know i'm living that dream hey man where do you work though man uh that, that's <laughs> I, I can't tell you that okay all right it's classified i understand i understand it's actually prince my man how you doing yeah man we back, uh, you know, climbing pocket family is always just get, good to get back to when we have the you know, full crew here. So, you know, let's get to it. All right. Well, you said family. So that's a, it's a perfect segue to the first thing we're going to talk about. And Prince, I'm just going to start with you. We'll go back down the line. You got any like, you know, fun Christmas traditions, anything out of the ordinary, anything you guys do every year? Well, what, what's what's Christmas like at Casa de Saxe Prince? Yeah, man. Uh, so when I used to live at home or just be around more so at the parents' house, I used to be the one that did all the decorating around the house and stuff. Um, so I don't do that as much anymore. So that's part of the tradition that was there for at least for me. Um, but uh, every Christmas morning, you know, we wake up. Uh, my mom will cook a Christmas uh, breakfast, just meal, you know, just those together, a bunch of, you know, delicious breakfast goodies. And then what we'll do is like, uh, you know, we'll pull out the the presents that are under the tree. We'll sort them all by by names and stuff. Um, usually it's just about like the the three of us, me, Kool and me. Uh, and we'll go in a circle and we'll each unwrap a pre- present each one at a time. And uh, yeah, and then after that, we usually either eat dinner all together after we get all done, or we just go out to like a. Um, cousin or family friend's house to you know kind of enjoy the rest of Christmas, but I'm a very I'm very pro opening presents, Christmas presents on Christmas Day, so that's part of the tradition. Okay, Are you still getting Christmas like presents under the tree? Yeah, man, my okay. mom my mom don't play. She yeah she yeah you can't touch nothing until unless it's under the tree on Christmas Day. So okay, all right, so that that's you, uh, Miles. 
How about you, man? What kind of traditions you have, or what kind of traditions you're starting? I guess because you know, it's all these you know new beginnings and all this stuff for you. I'm not, to be honest. I mean, we do it, we do everything, but I'm not a big holiday person. <laughs> Who <laughs> hurt you, Miles? See, I know that's that light skin stuff getting into. <laughs> man, I, well, I got so many things I got to go to. Um, no, well, growing up, we'd always go. Um, I'd spend part of the time. Growing up, we went to my uh, my favorite cousin cousin's house and uh, cousin the for Christmas Eve and my there are some of my favorite people in the world. Um, he passed away though last you know like six years ago, so I haven't been able to do that uh, the way we used to. But then now um, <clears throat> with my wife, we do uh, on Christmas. This is probably my favorite part to be honest. On Christmas Eve, now we go to her family and we do uh, crab legs and uh, prime rib. So. I can't complain. Ooh. Yeah, okay. so that, <laughs> jumping yes, into that, sure. jumping into that tradition, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you started that. off, and I thought it was gonna go one way, and then you came back with the crab legs and prime rib. I'm like, all right, you should be happy about the holidays, man. Right, you should like be a, the, a holiday like person. Like <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not a, I'm not like a gift person. If, if there's something I want, I'm just, I'm cool buying it myself. But I mean, I feel, yeah, I feel you on that one. My wife's pretty big on it, into it, so like I'll, you know, yeah, but there's nothing other than that that I wouldn't say there's anything else that I'm like, yeah. Okay, so Miles gonna eat some uh, some some crab legs, some prime rib. Yeah. Are you gonna get to watch some basketball? Eh. Maybe, maybe not. I'll, okay, I'll watch. Okay. I'll watch, I'll watch a little something because I mean that's when the basketball season starts for me. So we're not doing anything on Christmas Day this year. So I'm, okay, I'm hype. That's a beautiful maybe thing, Spider Man. Okay, Jr. My man, I know. I know you got some some family traditions for for this no, time of year. Outside of the food, there really isn't like a whole bunch of family traditions. Okay, well, talk to us about the food then, man. It's more of a dessert thing, not a main course. So. You know, the usual, I love apple pie around this time of year. So mom has to make a traditional apple pie with some ice cream on top of it. So, and then something my family does as a whole, everybody opens one gift on Christmas Eve whenever we have the entire dinner together. So that's a yearly tradition that my family has carried on. So we're going to make sure to keep that going. Okay. All right. And yeah, I, I was giving Miles grief, but I'm kind of in the in a similar boat to Miles where like the holidays really aren't that big of a deal. Now it's a little different. Got the kids. So it's really all about them, gifts, tree, decorating, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I usually try to disappear at some point with some uh, adult beverages and the big screen because, you know, the NBA season kind of kicks off for me on, on, on Christmas Day. And uh, I try to watch as much of that as I can. That's my tradition. Family's tradition is probably a little different, though. All right, well, let's hop into it. Let's do this real quick. Uh, it's been a topic of discussion. A lot of people writing about it. Friend of the show, Matthew Collar. We got a piece over at Vikings Territory. Nick Olson's been putting stuff out on the timeline, talking about Anthony Barr, his resurgence. And, of course, it was capped off by the man, possibly, surprisingly, being chosen, selected by the fans and whoever else is involved in the voting for the Pro Bowl, Anthony Barr, Jr. What's going on with the situation? I guess what have you been your thoughts on his play season to date? Do you see it as Pro Bowl worthy? And then, just based on everything that's going on, based on how he's playing, based on this Pro Bowl selection, what are your thoughts on kind of the contract situation and where that might go? Well, 
I don't think it has been Pro Bowl worthy to this point, but he's been re- he's played really well the past few weeks, and I just want to know what took them so long to use him as an edge rusher. We got all these reports out of training camp that it was 50-50 on that. He'd be splitting between the two, between linebacker and edge rusher, and now they figured it out all of a sudden. Oh, man, let's play him an edge rusher, and now he's having his best production of the year. And I think it goes to show you that maybe they have been playing him out of position, and Barr has been great at linebacker when he was there. And it's not a secret. Whenever he plays well, our defense plays at a high level. He wears the green dots on Sundays. He's the guy that calls the defense. So Mike Zimmer thinks very highly of him because he's the person that's assigned with that. And it truly shows that Mike Zimmer does have the trust in him. Now, the one person that is smiling these past three games is his agent because now Anthony Barr has those reps at edge rusher. So now he's going to go to the negotiation tables, whether that's with the Vikings or with another team, and says, hey, man, my guy has played some edge rusher, so can we you know, get some of that edge rusher money as opposed to off-ball linebacker money? And we all know there's a big discrepancy and a big difference between the two. It's the whole Von Miller debate all over again. Is he an outside linebacker or is he an edge rusher? So my honest opinion, I don't think he's going to be back with the Vikings unless they do franchise tag him, but I just don't see them paying high money for two off-ball linebackers like that with him and Eric Kendrick. So I think unless they franchise tag Anthony Barr, I just don't see him coming back because I just don't think they're going to want to pay that much to two off-ball linebackers. Okay, that makes some sense. And Miles, uh, actually, I'll come to you last because you've been talking about this quite a bit. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of extra runway on this topic to uh, to get some of your thoughts out that you've been, I feel like, battling perpetually for the last 36 hours about on the timeline. So Saxy Prince, go to you next. Talk to me about Anthony Barr. What's going on? And what do you make of his kind of quotes and things that he's been saying as it pertains to the contract, him coming back, uh, and, and everything else like that, I guess. What are your feelings on on his play season to date, and like JR kind of said, he doesn't think he'll be back. Are you in that same boat, or do you think the Vikings get something done to keep him? You know, I still think that the Vikings might uh, do something to get something done. I, you know, I I lean more towards. Uh, I can understand why they would let Anthony Barr go. I think again, bringing in, you know, the guys that you brought in, Kirk Cousins, does kind of uh, minimize the uh, the room that you have to be able to. Again, a guy like Anthony Barr, let's say you have you have a cheaper quarterback or whatever the case is, I don't think there's any question whether you bring him back. He, even if it's on a small deal, to just continue to see, you know, what can he bring to the table outside of just being an off-ball linebacker. Uh, last several weeks have been a very good for Anthony Barr. I, 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 the tape that I've watched is constantly seeing him in the backfield blowing up run plays before they even, you know, even develop. Um, or just you just continue to see his athleticism that you know the reason why he was drafted now you have to ask yourself can this guy be you know more of a uh if you got i'm thinking about it this way we've talked about a guy like everson griffin kind of getting a little bit older to see if he's really going to be um going to be around the team for the next couple years and we've kind of seen a slight decline in his play this last year now obviously because of everything that's happened with him um, you know, that could be a, a question, but it could also just be like, he's getting older. He's not that, that same guy that he was in his prime. Could the Vikings could potentially look at Anthony Barr as, 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 you know, your guy who is kind of your new edge rusher that you can kind of coach up to really be that solid guy. He might be that guy. Um, or, you know, you let him go and you go find yourself a new super athletic, uh, hybrid defensive end outside linebacker type guy. So I don't think that it's, it's out of the cards for them to still bring him back, especially 
with uncertainty with some veteran guys that are still on the team. And he is, like Jarrah said, really important to the nucleus of this team. Um, Mike Zimmer trusts him a lot. So I think it would be in the Vikings' best interest to see what they can do about his contract situation going forward. Maybe it's a one-year, like, hey, you know, like another proven deal. Maybe it's a franchise tag. Maybe it's a, you know, we'll we'll pay you uh, something, you know, smaller in these next couple of years, and then, you know, we'll see where it's at and after that. But um, I still – I think I, I'm still a little bit in the camp of, like, I think the Vikings try to do their best to get something done. All right, Miles, bring us home on this one because I feel like indirectly you've been talking about this – topic and what we do with Anthony Barr and what his price point might be and what the Vikings can do and should they keep him who should they keep and all this I feel like you've been doing this on the timeline for a little while here so what are your thoughts on the Anthony Barr situation and then you know well you can take that kind of down this logical path to you know the conversation you have been having in terms of Anthony Barr Richardson Trey Waynes and how all that might play out yeah I think to, to everybody's points um for Barr I think being able to see him do the things we've been able to see him do the last couple of weeks, um, rushing the passer more, playing to his overall strengths, which I, I mean, I always assumed the reason they drafted him was to help be a part of that pass rushing um, prowess. Um, I know they haven't relied on it as often because the de- the, the defensive line they've had um, and just kind of, I think Zimmer wanting to make sure he trained Anthony Barr to know off-ball linebacker and how to play it the right way before kind of letting him unleash as a pass rusher because I feel like he knew all along that he could do that. Um, coming out of college, obviously, he played defensive end his last two seasons. So um, obviously that was something that Barr wanted to continue to do and hasn't really had as, as many opportunities to do it um, under Mike Zimmer. But I think it's made him a, a better overall player because of it. Um, it's kind of just wind his overall uh, abilities on the football field. And I think that's uh, very invaluable. And, you know, like JR said, he wears the green dot. He's that guy that, you know, he's commanding and running that defense. So uh, when things are going well, he's, he's usually playing well. Um, so, so for me, I, I do think it's, it, it's going to be tough because the Vikings are kind of at a, in a, an interesting cap situation. Um, you know, your top two to, I mean, your, yeah, your top two, impending free agents are Anthony Barr and uh, Sheldon Richardson. So the decision between the two, whether it, you know, whether it isn't either or, or if it really is like the Vikings are, have already made up their mind and on who they're going to try to, to resign. We, I mean, we don't fully know that it doesn't sound like at least right now, Anthony Barr is at that point where he wants to continue to, to, uh, to negotiate um, probably wants to do that in the off season, potentially try to get to free agency on the open market because, as we've seen, if Anthony Barr can show that he can rush the passer, he there, <laughs> there's there's a, there, uh, there's money to be made on the on the open market. Like I mean, Anthony Barr does have to compete with with guys like uh, Judavian Clowney, um, Shane Ray, some of the uh, Dante Fowler, some of those other edge edge rushers off the um, in free agency to kind of get that similar money. But I feel like if he doesn't come back here. For me, I, I really believe if I was Anthony Barr, I'd be looking at a 3-4 team to play outside linebacker where I get to rush the passer on a consistent basis because I think that's his best overall skill set. Um, so that 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 would be the angle I'd take in that if I, if I was him. But going back to the Vikings, I would 
love to be able to get, get him back. But what the Vikings are really trying to do is they're like, hey, we're a 4-3 outside. We're a 4-3 defense. Outside linebackers in a 4-3 defense don't move more than, what, $10 million a year. So they're probably trying to put, price him out in a similar range as what uh, Eric Hendricks is making right now. So I can I can understand Anthony Barr's frustration of why would I take significantly less from you guys when I could could make a lot more on the market doing what I'm significantly, you know, my my um, my major skill set uh, rushing the passer. Yeah, um, man, and and I'm yeah. with you on that, and and I know, and and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful maybe that we've grown up as a fan base to the point where, like, if Anthony Barr does hit the open market and does get offered a bunch of money and does take that money, that fans don't then yep. turn on Anthony Barr or say Anthony Barr wasn't that good. All those people who were hyping him up this week about making the Pro Bowl and, and right. you know, all that stuff don't then turn around and be like, well, he was terrible anyway and he sucked and we hated you him. Know, and da, 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 because you know they're going to. I mean, so. of course they're going to, but the man, like, especially when you look at something like an Alex Smith situation where, like, <laughs> For any of these players, their career could be ended yep. in on any play. If he gets his money, goes out, gets his money someplace else. Obviously, we hope he's back. He's a great player. But if he goes and gets his money someplace else, y'all, come on, like let that man live. Well, let him go get his money. He didn't ask to be drafted by a four three team. I I can almost guarantee that during his whole pre draft process, it was all about defensive end or outside, you know, outside linebacker in a three four. Like I can almost guarantee that that was the conversations him and his agent were having with teams as teams that were showing interest in him and his like perception of where he was going to be heading into, you know, the NFL, that it was going to be that ability to rush the passer. And he, we haven't heard him complain about it for the most part. Like, yeah, I know he's, he's been more vocal about wanting to do it, but overall he hasn't complained about it. So I feel like fans should just be, fans should be pretty, you know, happy with the play that we've gotten from him because he is so athletic and dynamic and makes some some really big splashy plays. And we've seen it throughout his career. I know it's been inconsistent, but I think where people really don't understand is how hard of a transition it was for him to to move to an off ball linebacker position from going from running back to DN to off ball linebacker. Like that's not an easy transition to do. And we've seen him do it um pretty well. So I I think we've we definitely made a great choice getting him now let's see if we can if we retain him or not he's going to green bay that, okay well see jr jr perfect segue perfect segue perfect segue jr we got your answer you got green bay i was gonna go down the line all y'all jr guess you said green bay give me a quick reasoning as to why you think that's where he ends up they need help with edge rusher all they have is nick perry clay matthew's about to be a free agent and they have money and Gutekunst has shown that he's always able, he's willing to spend on these free agents, and I just think it's a great fit for him. So everything I just said about not hating Anthony Barr if he gets his money, if he does get his money in Green Bay, all that's out the window. Hate it all you want. Miles, where you think Anthony Barr is going to end up? <laughs> um, I, I mean, that's an obvious choice. I think uh, I could see – no, I don't think that because that's more of a traditional. Um. What do the Raiders run? Do they run a three four or they're four three? I thought they're four three. So then, they, they they I think Gunther's there. Uh, yeah. So they run a similar a they're similar right. defense to the Vikings. So that's why I've heard the Raiders brought up a lot because of the similarities in the defense. That, that would make sense. So, um, I think somehow the the Rams. That's I've been saying the Rams for a while that like that'd be a great fit for him in general. Um, he's from that area, so why not the Rams? Whew. Okay, Saxy Prince, where do you think Barr ends up? Houston Texans, I think. Okay. Um, Over Davian Clowney? 
Can, can he no. play? Can he play offensive line? No, I think <laughs> I think they'll keep him. I think I think that gives you uh, uh, some the thing that the, the Texans have. Oh, they're cutting JJ Watt. Okay, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, JJ Watt was a part of this, this uh, equation in which oh. Oh, I, I do just, think I do me. think with with the injury history over the last several years that you know has. Not allow the uh, the Texans to do all the things that they want to do. They obviously have to Damian Cloudy, but without JJ Watt on the other side, you know they just need a. I, I think they need some kind of uh, uh, what's the term um, insurance for J, for JJ Watt's injury history. So I can see the Texans bidding for him. Keep an eye on the Colts too. Okay, all right. I like all of these. I like. I mean, I don't like that we're talking about our player leaving, but I like all these these destinations. These are all very good. So we're gonna do it real quick. One got to go because, you know, folks been fighting about this on Twitter for quite some time. JR, if it's up to you and you can only keep two out of the three, Richardson, Barr, Waynes, who's got to go? Uh, I love him, but it'd be Sheldon Richardson because I feel like he's the guy that could be the most easily replaced in this draft class with it being such a deep defensive line class. I think they could take a guy in the first or second round to quickly replace him. Okay. Saxy Prince, one got to go. Richardson, Barr, Waynes. Who's it going to be? Um, I'll say, I, I guess I'll also say uh, Sheldon Richardson only because this, this draft class is so deep at uh, three technique. Um, I still think Barr has amazing ability and can provide, provide you with, um, some matchup type stuff. Um, and then obviously Trey Waynes, he's kind of matured into really being a solid number two corner. We know how important that is in this league. So um, I would say, I'll say three technique. All right. And Miles, the man who's been fighting this topic out for quite some time. <laughs> if you could trade Trey Waynes for any, not playing, which one of those, th- <laughs> which one of those three would you, uh, would you be getting rid of if you, if you had to make that decision? I'm with I'm with the rest of those guys. I'm I'm doing Sheldon Richardson. I mean, we've seen this defense be an elite level defense with I'm not Tom Johnson's a good player and overall, but like we've seen it we've we've seen them be an elite defense with a in what an average defensive tackle playing next to Linval Joseph. Um and that's probably and not I'm not trying to, you know, hate on uh, Tom Johnson and what he's done because he's done really well for us, but I mean, he's an average overall defensive tackle and every as an every down defensive tackle. So um, we've seen we've seen the defense be elite without Sheldon Richardson. And we've seen them play well, obviously, this year's too. But we haven't we don't I don't I don't think you're going to find an easier replacement for Anthony Barr. And I don't think you're going to you know, we've we've all we've been down the road of cornerback depth and, and talent. So I, I'm not even good on that right now. All right. OK, so. I mean, you know, everyone agrees. Not as much fun when everyone agrees, but it makes sense. I mean, yeah, of those positions, that would be the one that I would just at the positions, regardless of the players. But these are all good players, so yeah, that that's the one that makes sense. Uh, well, let's let's talk about it here. Jr. Vikings played a game, and uh, we are going back to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if you've been aware, and also Stefanski getting a gold jacket. Uh, Jr., what did you see? When you went back, took another look at what went on in that game. Um, yeah, I mean, the Vikings took care of business. They handled things. I mean, blew out uh, the Dolphins to a greater degree than even any of us predicted they would. What were your thoughts on that game overall? 
Yeah, I thought it was a great performance by the offense for two quarters. The first and the uh, fourth quarter, I thought they played really well. Uh, they got a bit stagnant in the second and third quarter and allowed the Dolphins to come back. But overall, I think it was a really, really good performance by the offense. I really liked what I saw out of Stefanski. He bought a lot of Pat Shermer type of terminology back. And what you saw was a whole bunch of off-tackle runs. And we we all know on this show that that's where Dalvin Cook thrives. He really loves to have those off-tackle runs. And that's what he does best because he can see those cuts that normal or a lot of running backs throughout the league can't see. So what Stefanski did was that he ran him more off-tackle with a lead blocker and C.J. Ham. C.J. Ham's reps were actually up. From previous weeks, I don't think he had a rep at all against the Seahawks. So um, what I really liked that Stefanski did was that he put the ball in the playmaker's hands. And that's something that we really didn't see John Filippo do. And he just did a – and I love this quote in the postgame press conference. He said it's about the players and not the plays. So you can tell that he just wants to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, and that's exactly what he did. Um, now, on the flip side, the defense, I thought they were outstanding. Uh, nine sacks, you can never complain about that. They rushed Ryan Tannehill, and he just looked clueless out there um, at times. But they did uh, allow a couple plays to where I did not like, but that happens. They're not going to play a perfect game. But overall, I thought it was a really good performance, and that's the type of game that this team needed, especially with the losses that they previously had. And then with the firing of the offensive coordinator hanging over their head, they needed a blowout win like this. Okay, and, and uh, I guess – Outside of the outside runs, um, from a passing game perspective, I guess, what were the things that you saw that, that you liked that the Stefanski did that were, yeah, I guess, drastically different or noticeably different than, than kind of the passing concepts that uh, the JDF was running? Well, he moved the pocket. That's what you notice. He changed the launch point for Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is actually a top three quarterback in the NFL. When you're moving the pocket, you change his launch points. And that helps out your play action game as well, which is something Stefanski did a lot. And he did a great mixture of all of that stuff. And it really helped Kirk Cousins because he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. We all know that. So he has to change his launch points and you can't just rely on him standing back in the pocket and slinging it all day long because we don't have the offensive line to hold up. So to help that offensive line, he, he had a great mixture of screens early on to Dalvin Cook, and he mixed in some play action stuff as well. Once he was able to establish the running game, it really, really helped out the running game as well. So mixing up his launch points, changing where he's throwing the ball, you saw some design rollouts, and play action also helped him as well. Okay, so Miles, um, you're usually the optimistic one around here, and so, you know, I'm going to throw something that could be seen as me being a wet blanket, and I want you to tell me why I'm just completely wrong, because – we were in a situation somewhat similar to this one where the Vikings got a much needed win against Green Bay. And afterwards it was like, yeah, Green Bay stinks though. So how much can we really take away from that game? So we played Miami. We blew Miami out. We did what we're supposed to do against a bad team. But moving forward, just given how bad Miami really seems to be, like how much of what you saw of what we saw versus Miami is what you expect that we're going to see going forward or did we just beat up on a on a really bad team? I mean, it, I think it's definitely a combination of both. Um, we know that the Dolphins are definitely a different, completely different team on the road than they are at home. Uh, I know that's the case for a lot of teams, but the Dolphins, I think they didn't. I don't think they've won a game at on the road, or they're one in seven or something like that on the road. So we we know that we kind of expected them to come in off their miracle, um, which I mean it was impressive, but. 
Uh, for me, I, I think, I think it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, you beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on, which that's, you know, that's you're at home. The Vikings to me should always win at home. Um, almost no matter who the, the competition is just because of the advantage they have there. Um, and then two, I think obviously the, the play calling in general, I think the defense is really getting to the, they're hitting the defenses really have been, has been hitting their stride the last month or so. And I think Zimmer's really kind of gotten his guys to, to buy into everything that they're trying to do. And everybody, this defense is, they're so familiar with each other and with the play calling that they, it's kind of just like second nature for most of them. Um, so the defense is, you know, they're, they're really balling it, especially at time at the end of the season. That's really important as you, you're trying to make that push for the playoffs. And then offensively, I think, we saw the move from um, D. Filippo to Stefanski, and I think what you're seeing and everything that we're hearing from the Vikings is the the situational play calling and just the the lack of needing to be so. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, like cute. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in a way, but like there's a, It sounds like D. Filippo was just trying to do too much with with what he had. He was trying to create. He was trying to fit a, 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 a square a square into a round hole, a square, a square peg into a round hole, and it wasn't working. We saw him not – Kirk Cousins works better under center. We know that. We're, there's statistics to tell you that that it's proven. He didn't do that with, with Kirk Cousins as often. We didn't run as, as much play action as we, we, we're used to seeing, and Kirk Cousins thrives off that as well. Um, I think just getting back to being an offense that – plays to your quarterback strengths because we know that a lot of things need to need to do well around Kirk to for him to succeed. So let's not put any added additional pressure on that by trying to change what what he doesn't do as well and make him and try to and try to force that on him because he's 30 years old. It's not like he's a young quarterback where you you know you're trying to um continue to train that. He's 30. Um he he's at that point where let's just continue to play to his strengths. And I think you're going to see a lot better of an offense because of it. And I think we saw some of that on Sunday. And I think that we're going to continue to see as we move forward. Um, just like JR said, putting him in situations where you're not, you're not asking him to, to completely run the offense in terms of being the guy that has to put the, the entire offense on his shoulders. That's just not, to me, it's for one, not fair the way this offense is built. And two, um, I just think it's, it, we know it's not going to work and we're not going to be as successful doing that that way. So why, why try to? So I think, I think we're going to see them perform better on offense and be more, more efficient and score some more points than what we saw the previous, what, two weeks with uh, against new England and against uh, Seattle. So I think, I think it's a combination of both, but I think we're going to see them kind of hit their stride a little bit here because they have kind of a, fr- it's a fresh start for them. Okay. All right, so Saxy Prince, you heard the analysis from JR from Miles. What kind of grade are you giving Stefanski on his uh on his opening game? I mean, I think he could I think he called as as good of game as we could have asked him to do. I mean, you know, there I, I didn't really get the the sense of like, oh, Stefanski's not really calling a very good game. If anything, but like, yeah, I think he's put he's putting Kirk in decent positions. I think he's, he's, he's uh, finding ways to get the ball to Diggs and, and, and Dalvin. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to have Adam Thielen a little bit more involved, but 
you know, like there's just games where some players get the ball a little bit more so than than others. Um, so yeah, I would probably give him just an A. I mean, like I said, that's that he. I think he called as good of a game as we could have asked for him. You know, there okay. were mistakes that happened, but that was not Stefanski. Okay, we'll take that. We'll take that because you usually are a pretty tough grader. So we'll take that A and we'll keep that thing moving. Miles, what are you giving him? You give him an A as well? Yeah, I think you kind of you have to. I mean, forty-one points, and that wasn't they didn't score in any other capacity. They scored all of that was through offense. So I'd I'd give him a, an A. All right, and and Jr. You know, not the same question for you. Just a slight switch up here. Um, obviously, we scored a bunch of points. We had a great game overall. What, if anything, would you like to see him maybe switch up or do a little different or better as we move forward in the season and potentially as we get to the playoffs and start to face uh, tougher competition? Well, that's tough since he's only called one game to this point. Um, I would like to see him be, be a little bit more aggressive in certain spots, especially when they came back and made it again. I believe it was 21 to 17 at one point or some some along those lines. Um, he kind of got a bit conservative, but he opened it up a bit more in the fourth quarter. I would just like to see him go down the field a little bit more than what he did. And they had opportunities opportunities to connect down the field, and they didn't on some. But overall, I can't complain about much for what he did, honestly. I thought he called a really good game, and he did what he was supposed to do against an inferior defense, and they did exactly what they were supposed to do against a team that wasn't very good against the run, and they were without their best cornerback in the Xavier Howard, and they exposed all those flaws. So I can't really complain too much about from what Stefanski did. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Prince, I know I've seen you tweet about it every now and again. Uh, Vikings playoff odds and, like, you know, Vikings playoff scenarios. Are you still keeping up with all those things? What are your thoughts on, you know, the uh, the weekly posts that we're seeing out there in terms of the different things that need to happen for the Vikings to uh, to, to make the playoffs? And, uh, yeah, where are you at with all that? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, just win. Like, I, I've done all the things in my head and, you know, follow the people that I need to who are saying Vikings need to win this and then this person needs to lose. I'm like, just win. That's where I'm at at this point because – you know, at the end of the day is I, I'm not a, I'm not a believer at all. Like, oh, you know, if, if if they can't win, then they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. No, because like at the end of the day, you know, we had various issues that we had to figure out. And if you get into the playoffs, hey, like that's the time. If you get it figured out, then figure it out then. And then you make it figure it out all the way to the Super Bowl and win this one. I don't care how you get this. There's, there's no for me, there's no like moral um or not even moral, but there's no like added uh, a sense of victory because I felt like I deserved to be in the playoffs. No, like if I'm in the playoffs, I have the record that that indicates I should be in the playoffs. And with that, I would just want the the Vikings to do what they can. Hey, hell, we've had enough bad teams sneak into the playoffs and become volatile for um for that for those four game, three game stretch or whatever, and win the Super Bowl. So. If this is the year we win the Super Bowl, then I'm all for it. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. So I guess, Miles, JR, same question to you. Do you guys really keep up with, you know, the different scenarios and the different things the Vikings need to do to make the playoffs? Are you uh, kind of, you know, Miles, I'll start with you, I guess. Are you the type that kind of goes and pays attention to all of the other teams the Vikings should be, I guess, cheering for for that particular week to increase their odds of making it into the playoffs? 
I mean, for me, it's out there. It's always out there. You see it all over Twitter. So I'm like, I like understand it and see, see who the teams, you know, you'd prefer, you'd, you'd obviously prefer to, to the easiest way to get into the playoffs is the best. I mean, it, that's how you want to do it. Right. Like, that's fine. Like, like, like Prince said, like, just, just get in, who cares how they get in. But at the same time, I'm, I'm really of the belief of just take care of your own business and not don't ask for other people to help you out. Uh, just if you, if the Vikings win their last two games, they're in no matter what. So it doesn't matter what everybody else does. So just do that. Like, take care of your own business. All right. Same question to you, JR. Uh, do you know who we should be cheering for this week? Or are you just really focused on the Vikings winning? And that's really all you're, you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, of course you pay attention to the scenarios because they're out there. But the Vikings can, they do control their own destiny. That's all you can ask for at this point in the season. So just win. That's all they have to do. All right. Okay, well, let's get into it. We're talking about winning. Let's talk about this game that on paper looks like one they should be winning. JR, Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts? Are we getting a sweep? How's this going down? I hope so. Um, they're really banged up. Um, they're without Kerryon Johnson, who they just placed on IR, Marvin Jones, Ziggy Ansah, TJ Lane. The list goes on and on. A lot of their starters are on injured reserve and they're a team that's just not playing good football right now and it's littered all throughout their film. They had a bad loss against the Bills last week. Um, their offense has been pathetic the past few weeks and <laughs> watching film on them, man, it's it's really bad. Um, they're just dinking and dunking all over the field because they just can't find a way to generate explosive plays. Their only explosive playmaker right now is Kenny Galladay and they're trying to push the, push the ball down the field to him and they've been successful with it a few times, but once teams are able to key in on him, they just don't have anybody else. That's just a major threat. LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick, I mean, they're all they're both just average. Um, but what does worry me about this game is that Matt Patricia is a former Belichick disciple, and of course, he is going to pay very close attention to that Patriots film. And one thing he is going to steal from that game is the coverages that they played against Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. But luckily, they don't have the personnel that the Patriots do or the discipline that the Patriots do. And their their pass defense is really bad, guys. It's, I was in awe of how bad their pass defense was last week. And there's just so much miscommunication. Outside of Darius Slay, none of their guys are playing really well in the back end. Glover Quinn and Quandre Diggs are not having the year that many were expecting them to. And they just don't have the personnel for what Matt Patricia is trying to run. They're trying to run a lot of man coverage and they just don't have the guys to do that right now. So I believe they're not even in the top 20 against the past this year, but since getting snacks Harrison, they are really good against the run. They are top five in the league in run defense, but he's been on the injury report this week. He hasn't practiced at all this week. So, Maybe this is another week where the running game can get going on the edges. I wouldn't try to run the ball up the middle against them because they are very good up the middle against the run since acquiring Snack Harrison. So I think this is another day where the offense can have a big day. Um, but Stefanski, once again, just has to dial up the plays in order to get the playmakers in position to succeed on the defensive side. Matt Stafford, I don't think, or he's been limited in practice this week, and maybe <laughs> this might end up being – the Matt Castle coming out party. So I hope that doesn't happen, but uh, stranger things have happened throughout the NFL. So I think the defense is going to have a big day against this offense as well, because they just don't have the type of playmakers that we're used to accustomed to seeing from this team. Yeah. And I know like you said, you've been watching some films. So this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about because, you know, I will admit I 
care nothing at all about the Lions. I pay no attention to them because they are rarely uh, an actual threat to uh, to win the division or, or really be someone that we're worried about come playoff time. And uh, I'm trying to get an understanding from your perspective. Like, it seems on paper as though they should be a decent offensive team. Like, they invested quite a bit in their offensive line. They had Galladay. They had Marvin Jones. For a while there, they had Golden Tate. Um Really, at all the skill position player positions, except for maybe tight end, they seem to be set. Why are why is the offense so bad? And then taking, I guess, a step further, what are you seeing that explains why Matthew Stafford is so god awful this season? Because I feel like people aren't really talking about that enough, but he is statistically terrible season to date, and it just doesn't make sense based on kind of what the surroundings should be on paper based on the talent on that team well he's been really gun shy as far as pushing the ball down the field for whatever reason and i just don't understand it because like you said they had golden tate prior to trading him they had marvin jones and galladay has played really well for them this year and he just hasn't pulled the trigger down the field for whatever reason so what you're seeing with him is i hate to say it but he's basically turned into sam bradford so he's not pushing the ball down the field at all everything is just dink and dunk a quick check down a quick hitch or a quick slant or just dumping the ball off the theoretic really fast and go back and watch the chicago game from thanksgiving and it's a prime example of that i didn't see him throw the ball down the field more than 10 yards probably more than three or four times and that's just off my memory so he's just turned into Sam Bradford. He's just scared to go down the field for whatever reason. I don't, and their offensive line has played well outside of the one game that we played him. His offensive line has protected him for the most part this year. So I just don't understand it, honestly. Okay. All right. Miles, as we get into this game, uh, what are the big things you're going to be looking at? I mean, again, it's one of those games on paper that looks like a game that, uh, that we should be able to go and handle business. What are the things that you're going to be looking to see both on offense and defense from the Vikings to really show you that, you know, they're locked in, they're focused. They are that team that, you know, fans like to clamor about that's getting hot at the right time heading into the playoffs. I think it's going to conti- just continue to to build that uh, the rapport in the run game. I think just some of the, the different styles of runs we saw with Stefanski um, compared to what we said with D Filippo, especially in terms of situational situationally and, and and when they ran the ball was was key as well and and how they did it with the more you know out, outside zone runs and such i think just continuing to build off of that as we move forward um i don't know <laughs> i know this has kind of been hasn't really been talked about but at the same time i mean just maybe tr- just getting adam Thielen and in, back involved a little bit more um i know that it's been tough to I mean, you, you want to take what the defense gives you, so the defense is going to double him. You're going to try to find other other players that are open or, you know, scheme other players open because you're you're willing to let them take away, your you know, one of your top players. But um, I don't know. Let's find a way to get, get him a little bit more involved because I'm sure that's been frustrating for him even though, you know, you won last week. But, you know, with only two catches, it's definitely got to be tough. Um, and then – I think continuing just to see – I'm going to keep this on the offense just because defensively we know they're hitting their stride. And I, I really believe that double Kenny Galladay or whatever you want to do and and, and make every, make anybody else try to beat you because there really isn't anybody else in that offense that you that worries me. 
Um, but back to the offense, just continuing to let's see what those those uh, tight ends can do. Um, you know, Tyler Conklin led the led the team in receiving yards last week, which um, I know a lot of it was being schemed open, but um, it was just nice to see to kind of get get your uh, your tight ends a little bit more downfield um, and getting them a little bit more involved because I know that that has been an issue um, in the middle of the, middle of the season, especially. So getting them a little bit more involved, um, Kyle Rudolph in, including in that, um, but like Tyler Conklin, David too. So okay, there we go, David Morgan. That's what you said. Okay, I, I meant to involve David Morgan, but like he he obviously helps in the run game, but I think. We know that he can, um, you know, catch the ball well too. Okay, and I, I know I might be asking a lot here, but does anyone remember what the Lions did uh, the last time we faced them? Because they were able to put the clamps on Thielen in that game. Um, do, did they oh, do anything was, special, or was that, that just the buy? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they 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 doubled Thielen. I think we just were able to run the ball a little bit better uh, that game. Yeah, that was. I think that was the key there. Okay. Defense played super well. We had like ten sacks, right? Yeah, yeah. Our, yeah, yeah. our defense was balling. Um, yeah, because in that game, Thielen had seven targets, four receptions for twenty-two yards. So I was just, scored. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So Saxy Prince, as we get in here, I mean, again, this is one of those games that lined up. It looks like we should go in there and wreck shop. Uh, are you looking at this as a trap game? Are you worried at all about anything the Lions might be able to do to to surprise the Vikings, or maybe that the Vikings might be overlooking the Lions, or or anything along those lines? No, um, this late in the season, I, I I don't, I don't. I think the Vikings are who they are. Um, I was worried more so in the, the beginning of the season, middle of the season, just because they don't have an identity. I still think they're struggling with parts of their identity, but like I think for the most part, this should be a a game you should go in, clean it up, and get out. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be a blowout like it was against the the Dolphins, but I think it it'll be have a similar vibe to that. So, yeah, I'm actually not worried about this game at all. Okay, and their identity should run through them ACC boys. That's how I feel. Well, all yeah. right, it's the, it's yeah, you know, get digs going. Get Cook going. Good things happen for everybody. All right. I think we got all the analysis we need out of that game there. Yanka, we'll start with you. You're you're already you're already ready. I'm gonna need your score prediction. I'm gonna need your bold prediction. Um I think it's like I said, I don't think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be like 33 to uh, 33 to 10 Vikings boy. Um, and I think we, we saw him get really, really close, but because he didn't get it, sure. Two special teams scores. Okay. Two, two special teams teams scores. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Miles, my man. Thank you for this one. Score prediction, bold prediction. Um, I'm gonna go thirty to th- uh, shoot twenty-eight to thirteen. My Vikings, and I'm gonna go bold prediction. <laughs> Tyler Conklin uh, scores two touchdowns. <laughs> Whoa! What? I mean, your last one came pretty close to coming through. 
Yeah, I mean, I if, a, if you switched to scrimmage yards instead of rush yards, you'd have had it right there. I thought I did. I thought I said total yards. I don't know. But nah, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure you said rush yards, but whatever. JR, 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 what you got for us? Score prediction, bold prediction. I'm going to go 27 to 10, Vikings. Bold prediction. <laughs> Jason's going to be happy about this. David Morgan scores a touchdown. Yes, sir. There we go. Victory is assured if that happens. Okay. And I'm going to go 24-14 Vikings. And hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go Anthony Barr gets a scoop and score a touchdown. And uh, just further pour salt in the wound of everyone who was trying to get him cut earlier in the season. So that's where I'm going. And that's it. We made it all the way through. JR, I already linked to it in the show notes, but uh, you dropped a little something-something for us. Was it today? Yesterday? I can't really even keep up anymore. Yeah, it was today, actually. Um, so I'm going division by division of draft needs. I'm on cover one, so make sure to go check that out. I just dropped the AFC East. Uh, next Monday will be the AFC North. And all right, and so you drop, you're you're going through this here, and uh, give us a little bit more. Give us a little bit of a tease. You're going through it. You're talking about draft needs. Like, how deep are you going on, on each of the teams here? How many needs you, you you're giving us? And and most importantly, what we care about is when do you get into the NFC North? So it was just the team's top three draft needs, okay. and of course, <laughs> I'll let everybody know when I do drop the Vikings one. I'll probably go a little bit more in depth on that one. So just keep an eye out for that. Sir, yes, sir. And uh, I mean, I know it's not out yet, but Miles, I feel like you got some things cooking up. You've been working on some stuff there. What's going on with you, man? What you up to? Yeah, I was up pretty late last night. Uh, I'm working on I want to I'm I've been trying to find creative ways to figure out how to help fix the offensive line this offseason. Um, try not to look too far ahead, but at the same time, just kind of preparing for uh I don't want to be negative, but the the inevitable at some point. Um, just just kind of prepare for when the season is over. And uh, I mean, that I doesn't know. have to be negative, Miles. The yeah, season I, still I, ends after we win the Super Bowl, right? Exactly, exactly. So no, um, yeah, I've just been trying to find creative ways to help uh, fix this offensive line, just because there are very little options in the free agent market. Um, so kind of exploring a few different options outside of free agency. Uh, maybe potential some some potential trades and then uh, obviously the draft. So just kind of want to put that put that on paper. Um, it's a pretty long article uh, so far, but uh, I think it'll be a good one. I like it. I like it. I like it. Saxy Prince, how about you, man? Anything cooking up? I know you were hitting me up about some stats earlier, which always makes me feel like you got something in the hop or something ready to go. Yeah. See, the what I've realized the last couple of weeks is every time I ha- I start writing something. The, the Vikings will start playing and then they'll just ruin the entire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm still looking at uh, putting something out about Daniel Hunter, obviously getting to the pro bowl. Um, the Kirk cousins piece that I want to get finalized. And then obviously another, um, just Vikings offensive piece that I wanted to get out. So a couple of things that I want to, to get also something probably playoff related as well too. 
Okay. A couple of things in the mixer. All right. We like it. We like it. We like it. And again, I still got to find time to update some of the stuff I did earlier in the season, but I'm really excited, you know, after the the playoffs and the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff to jump into the draft things and uh, take a different kind of look at draft value than uh, than what we have in years past and see if that changes some of the uh, the ideas, the thoughts that we have when we get to all of those things. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Listeners, make sure you check out the latest from Matt Anderson. He has a great piece on Mackenzie Alexander up on ClimbingThePocket.com. Check it out, y'all. But that's it. That's all. We made it. Listeners, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us. Gentlemen, as always, thanks for coming on, chopping it up with me. And uh, yeah, that's it. We will uh, talk to you guys all soon. Have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.